Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. David Schreiner-Khan is the president of 10 Strategic Partners. This is an entrepreneurial organization, and you can be a member of the 10 Strategic Community if you are a consultant, coach, or individual entrepreneur using your knowledge and creativity to help clients succeed. David is also a podcast host and he is the host of the Smashing That Plateau podcast, which has been featured in Forbes Magazine's three podcasts to power up your lean, ultra lean business, and Inc. Magazine's five entrepreneurs that will change the way you communicate with over 500 episodes of Smashing the Plateau out there in the marketplace. So a fantastic achievement on David's part. Hello, David, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, Thank you so much, Ed. Thanks for inviting me. It is so great to have you join us. And I gave folks a quick little introduction of you. And I'm just wondering if you could share more information about how you're currently interacting in the marketplace. Um, Sure. So a a quick snapshot of my career. Um, I spent the first 28 years of my career as an employee, uh, mostly in leadership and management roles. And then in 2006, when my job was terminated, I decided that I wanted to be a consultant. I actually had decided before the job was terminated that I wanted to be a consultant. Um, but the, the trigger was that uh, the, the timing was was decided by my employer, not by me. Uh, became a consultant. That was 15 years ago. And I've been an entrepreneur ever since. And um, uh, started doing some content creation about 10 years ago, which led to the first podcast, Mashing the Plateau, which we launched in 2014. And um, I started a second podcast going solo in 2019. Um, and both both shows focus on helping consultants and coaches build their business following a long career as an employed professional. Very, it very much mirrors my story. Sure. A lot of people believe that the stories that they have lived can benefit others. And I'm just wondering what it was that had you move from, uh, to whatever it was you were doing to content creation, right? Because a lot of folks never take that step or don't think folks are interested in hearing about what they've done. So what was it that led you to create content that could benefit others? Well, um, Ed, one of the things I've always done in my career is look at what 
other people are doing that I consider to be successful in my space or my domain um, and, and try to learn from them and try to adopt some of the same practices. So when I was an employee, I looked at other people that were successful um, organizational leaders and tried to see what they were doing that I wasn't doing. Um, I tried to take advantage of any kind of professional development or learning opportunities that had to do with leadership and management because that's what I wanted to be uh, become better at. And then when I became an entrepreneur, I started looking around at other consultants to see who seemed to be doing things I wasn't doing that um, seemed to drive the kind of success that I wanted to achieve in my business. And one of the things I saw was um, consultants were were prominent in uh, in the media. Um, they were creating their own content. Um, you know, when I first when I started my business in two thousand six, you know, many of the tools that we have today for creating and distributing content <clears throat> weren't available. But one of the things that that was actually pretty prevalent um, going back you know, roughly 10 years ago was blogging. So a, a lot of, um, you know, w WordPress in particular is a platform that makes it very easy to create and distribute your own written content. Um, and you can certainly add audio and, and video to your content. Uh, but in those days, it was mostly text. And I saw that that many consultants were creating content in the form of a blog. And I um, had no idea how to do it, but I figured, you know what, um, I'm going to figure this out, learn how to do it, and I'm, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. So that was the beginning of, of content creation for me. Makes perfect sense from a perspective of kind of where we were and what folks were doing and thinking about at that time. And a lot of our listeners, David, are probably curious about the relationship between entrepreneurship and bravery. And I think many of them have an assumption that most entrepreneurs are brave and efforts to do what it is that they want to do. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and reflections based on your experience as an entrepreneur and in talking and meeting so many entrepreneurs. You know, is there a relationship between entrepreneurship and bravery? And, you know, what might that relationship look like? Um, I can tell you, Ed, when you hear from your friends and family and people close to you, things like, you're doing what? Are you nuts? <laughs> um, that is usually a clue that you're doing something that is brave. Um, so as an example, very early in my career, uh, I, I studied engineering. I worked as an engineer the first two jobs in my career. And um, just after my second work anniversary and my second job, um, where just after I had received a, um, a very positive performance review and a nice raise. My boss called me into his office and he said, David, I have good news and bad news. The good news is you're doing a great job. The bad news is you don't have a job here anymore. And I'm like, what? Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't, I was young and naive. I wasn't paying attention to the fact that the company I worked for had lost a lot of business and ended up having to fire about half the staff. Um, but, you know, it, in, in reaction to what happened to me, I ended up um, deciding that that sort of the, the corporate engineering life was not really where I wanted to spend the next 40 years. And I ended up going into the not-for-profit sector. Um, and and um, people said to me then, what are you, crazy? Um, you, you know, you, you're giving up um, 
you sp spent all these years studying engineering. It's a good profession. You can make a good living. Um, why, you know, why are you doing this? You're taking a, a pay cut to go into the not-for-profit world. And, um, and so that, you know, that is, is what, as I said, is one of the clues that, um, that what you're doing is brave. And for me, um, it turns out that I actually, was making a good living in the not-for-profit sector, particularly since I was in leadership roles the entire 20 plus years that I was in that sector. And I was doing work that I felt much better about. I, there was, um, you know, a, a, a higher purpose to what, what I was doing and what the organizations that I worked for were, uh, were working on. And uh, this is long before social entrepreneurship became a thing. Um, but it was a very rewarding career and it never would have happened if I hadn't taken that step. And then in 2006, when I, you know, the, the logical move for me, the like linear logical career move would have been for me to become the CEO of a nonprofit agency or organization. And I decided instead to become a solopreneur consultant. And I heard the same things from, from people who knew me like, David, what are you crazy? You're, you know, you're, you're doing well in your career. There are lots of uh, openings that could use your skill set. Um, and, and then one of the most common comments I would get is, well, what are you going to do for health insurance? And, mm -hmm. um, and my reaction was, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll buy it. Um, <laughs> like, like, um, any other company does. So, um, again, that was a clue that, that, um, you know, I was going in the direction, um, it was like, you know, the, the poem, uh, the frost poem about two roads diverging in a wood. And you, you know, I personally very often will take the road that's less traveled. Um, and that usually does take some, some bravery. And you generally will hear comments about, um, that it's, that it's not the most common path. Well, at the risk of getting philosophical with you, a lot of our guests have talked about, their bravery moments. And oftentimes they'll say, gee, Ed, I don't know if I was brave or crazy, right? And there's this feeling around bravery sometimes that uh, it might be perceived as being crazy. And I'm just wondering, you know, as you think about entrepreneurs, or you think about yourself or the things that you've done that folks might have thought were quote unquote crazy, uh, you know, what is the difference? You know, where is there a difference between being brave and doing something that might be less traveled, but is the right choice versus being perceived as crazy? Well, I, th I think the way people might perceive this, the bravery and craziness going hand in hand is as humans, we're trained. And I, maybe this is part of our, our intrinsic makeup it is to be risk averse. And so when you're doing something that others perceive as being risky, they may look at you and think that what you're doing is is crazy and you may feel that is crazy because it, you may feel that it's risky and, and maybe in fact it is risky but unless you try it you're not going to know what the outcome might be um you know so for example when you start a business especially like like i was in 2006 i had no clients when i started my business i i knew that i wanted to be a consultant and i knew what kind of work i wanted to do um, I'd never done any marketing and sales before. So that was like, um, a pretty steep learning curve, but I did get clients and I, I, I did get business and was business always great. No, it certainly has had its ups and downs, but it's, um, 
personally, I'm really glad that I that I made the transition because it's um, it's much more rewarding and I have con- much more control over what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, people uh, create context around as it relates to bravery is this desire to be in more control of their direction and focus that they want to be candid with others in respect to how they are experiencing them so that they can ensure that they are in more control and they're not in kind of an out of control, uh, free flowing type environment where people can do whatever they want or say whatever they want. And you know, I'm wondering when you think about entrepreneurs and the goals that they have, uh, do they think what they are doing is brave or do they think what they are doing is crazy? I know we can joke about it and say, well, I would tell you they're probably thinking they're crazy, but uh, is it, or is it only something they look back on later and say, gee, I didn't realize it at the time, but I think what I decided to do when I decided to take that path less followed was brave. Um, Yeah, I think actually a lot of people do think that it's both brave and crazy. I mean, I've had this conversation with with clients many times, which is um, a client will say to me, this is so hard, maybe I should just get a job. And my response is, um, I'll usually respond with the question, who do you think is going to hire you? And how will you feel if you had a job? (laughs) And the answer is always, I'm not sure anybody would want to hire me because I've been an entrepreneur for too long and um, and I would hate to have a job. Uh, that's what they say. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. That's they, they say, OK, let, let, let's make it work. Let's let's make this entrepreneurship thing work. What, what's missing? What do we need to do differently so we can generate greater success? So when you're talking to people like that, David, and just as you sit back and think about bravery on its own, are there any words or phrases that come to mind that for you describe bravery at work? Um, well, I'm, I'm not sure that this quite answers the question, but when you're, when you're pursuing something where you're unsure of the outcome, um, but you know in your heart that you want to pursue it, and you believe that there is the potential for a positive outcome, one of the most important ingredients is perseverance. And I've seen so many entrepreneurs struggle to generate success, and in particular financial success, because they're, um, they're giving up too soon and they're not paying attention to the data along the way and making small pivots. So when you when you see what appear to be breakthroughs that other entrepreneurs achieve, what you aren't seeing is all of the tiny steps and pivots they've taken along the way. Um, and it's usually hundreds, if not thousands, of steps and pivots. So, you know, somebody who is um, run, running a business that is financially successful um, has probably taken many, many steps along the way. Somebody who's doing something where they have um, a- achieved uh, depth in a in a marketplace, um, they've probably worked pretty hard to r- really define that marketplace to find their the the product market fit or the the service market fit 
And um, these things don't happen quickly. It's like when when you go from job to job, uh, when you leave a job, your income goes from 100% to zero overnight. The, the minute you walk into the door, whether it's a physical door or, or a virtual door these days of the new job, your income goes from zero to 100% overnight. When you are starting something as an entrepreneur, your income never goes from zero to 100% overnight. And in particular, when you're starting a consulting business, you're lucky if your business um, exceed or meets your, your previous employment compensation within a couple of years. It's, it's not quick. And, um, you know, the same is true in, in most other businesses. It does not happen overnight. It takes a lot of perseverance. So to me, the, the bravery is really in the perseverance. Well, I mean, I will say as a former corporate employer, uh, employee who went from 100% pay to zero, and then uh, took several years in order to grow a recurring income to go from zero to 100%, that one of the key factors, and I'm just echoing what you're saying as a person who has experienced it, one of the key factors has been perseverance, which has been the ability to keep swinging at the bat, uh, even beyond three strikes, to ensure that what I wanted to do, knew I could do, and knew was doable, could get done because I could have given up multiple times because it got too hard or I failed more often than I wanted to, you know, whatever the financial pressures were. Maybe there was spousal pressure to get a job so I could get from zero to 100% income instantly. Uh, but, you know, these are things that require bravery. And I echo the need for perseverance. But also in your statement, you talked about the uh, unsureness of the outcome, right? And this is one of the obstacles that people create at work as to why they don't say something that needs to be said with a colleague in order to help them, because I'm unsure of what the outcome might be. The person might get upset. The person might uh, not like me and affect our relational energy. Uh, you know, it might have an adverse employment effect. You know, not knowing the outcome is one of the obstacles that people have being brave at work. And I'm just wondering, again, based on your experience working with entrepreneurs or your own personal experiences, uh, you know, what are some thoughts that you can help provide our listeners to get clarity around helping ensure they can move in a good direction, even if it requires flexibility and not getting exactly the outcome that you had originally hoped? Yeah, um, the, the, I have so many thoughts on this subject. Um, one is, as an employee, you're expected to be right probably at least 90% of the time, which means you're going to be reluctant to state something where you have the, um, where, where you feel a possibility that you might be wrong, um, which in the long run, I think harms organizations because the, the bravery of being honest when you see something that you think might be a, a consequence, you should you should be encouraged to talk about it. And I think in organizational life, employees often get penalized for those things. Um, as an entrepreneur, you're lucky if you're right more than 10% of the time. And there's a saying in the entrepreneurial world, fail fast. And the reality is um, you're taking risks all, all the time. And what you actually want to do as an entrepreneur is eliminate as many things as possible, as quickly as possible that don't work. So there's a lot of trial and error as you're 
as you're launching anything new as a business owner. Is there a second half to that statement, David? Fail fast, <laughs> something, uh, something positive and uplifting? Um, you know what? Track the data. It's like, you know, one of the, with, with consultants, there are many consultants that um, they invest a lot of time and energy in marketing. And one of the, especially for consultants, the vast majority of business will come through referrals. So having the, having a strong network of people that can refer to you is really important. And how do you build that? You build that by building relationships with the right people, which takes time. And there are lots of activities you can do from from um, networking to um, content creation to um, uh, anyway, whatever whatever activity you are doing, you should actually track the data and look at the results consistently. And the results will tell you what you should do more of and what you should do less of. You know, so for example, if you have a consulting business where let's say there are five to 10 people who are your best referrers, what you should be doing is you should be interacting with those people consistently and regularly and frequently. And the, so that the, the, the positive answer is, if you start tracking how you're spending your time, when it comes to building relationships, you will see a pattern. And the pattern will tell you, this is what I should do more of, this is what's gonna lead to success. And you can find, you, you will probably find that you can cut out a lot of time that you're spending that doesn't actually produce results. And then you'll spend time building deep relationships with a handful of people that will really drive your business success. Well, as we end our conversation, David, I think that's a great lesson for our listeners in respect to the goal of being brave at work and one of the outcomes, which is if you are going to say something that needs to be said to somebody, you should also create some type of accountability system or measurement system to ensure that if they listen to what you said and agree with what you said and want to work on what you said, that they're measuring the impact of it, that what I'm attempting to do differently based on the feedback I've received is working and having the outcome that I hoped it would have. So I think that's a great, great lesson for our listeners. David, thank you so much for your time today. And if folks wanted to reach out to you to hear more about your podcast or the work that you're doing, how might they reach you? Um, best place to go is smashingtheplateau.com. That's where uh, both podcasts are, as you said in the introduction. There are many hundreds of episodes <clears throat> on pretty much any topic that relates to um, consulting and coaching in, in particular. And if you're looking for some quick tips on how you can improve your own business, um, we have a free resource called 49 tips to help you smash your plateau. You can download it at smashingtheplateau.com forward slash tips, T-I-P-S. Fantastic. Thank you so much, David. And it was really great speaking with you today. Thank you, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. 
Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.